Okay, high time now for our tune of the week. Come on, let's go. This is the Media Industry Guru Show, the show that exposes you to entertainment, music, film, TV, and tech. We're online 24-7, 24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. Hello again. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are going to learn from an industry expert on how a label operates. There are so many different sectors of a label. It's pretty intense. It can be pretty intense. With me today is Jay Gilbert, who is the co-founder of Label Logic. You might have heard him on a few of his own podcasts, including your Morning Coffee podcast and the Music Business Weekly podcast. He has been a previous executive and among the top labels, including Warner Music, Sony, Universal, and worked as the VP of New Media and Online Marketing at Universal Music Enterprises. He is also a voting member of the Recording Academy and is a guest speaker for among the top entertainment universities in the country. On the side as well, he also has his own photography website. So now, let me introduce and welcome entrepreneur, executive, podcaster, lecturer, and music industry professional, Jay Gilbert. Hi, Jay. Thanks for being on the podcast. Great to have you. Thanks for having me. So tell us a quick elevator pitch about yourself. What is unique about you and what's fascinating about the music business? Well, we could talk for hours uh, about <laughs> that, but if it, the quick elevator version is that I grew up in a very musical family. I wanted to play music. I played in bands, toured in bands, and then realized I'd rather eat. Um, and uh, <laughs> so I, I ended up working for some record stores. I uh, worked for an independent record store, worked for Tower Records. Uh, back in the day, and then I I got a job at MCA, which became Universal, and I ended up staying there 18 years. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of how my my journey uh, started. I just had a passion for music. Uh, I loved working in record stores, and you know, we were the original kind of recommendation engine. You know, people would come in like the movie High Fidelity, and they would say, "Hey, man, what's good?" And you would just give them a few albums and they mm -hmm. would buy them and they'd come back the next week. Hey, I really like that. What else you got? So mm. I, I was very fortunate in that I got to grow up in an era where we watched, you know, vinyl and cassettes mm -hmm. and, you know, turn into downloads and then into streaming. And it was just such an amazing, amazing time. Uh, so mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of the, that, that's where my passion is. What type of instrument did you play? What was your band and did they tour? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we played a lot of live shows. We were playing, you know, four nights a week. Um, I played guitar in one band um, back in the day, um, played bass in a band and toured around. And, you know, we never got signed to a major label or, you know, um, got famous or anything, but it was such a great experience. So now I know what it's like to ride around the country in a van. I know what it's like to go to a radio station at, you know, 7 a.m. when you were, uh, you know, loading out at 2 a.m. You know, I know 
what it feels like to write, record, and do all those things. So when I deal with artists, managers, labels, distributors, mm-hmm. you know, I, I get it. I get where they're coming from. And then you worked at these like prestigious labels. So tell us like what were your favorite experiences working at these labels and like how did you get there from being an executive? It took probably tons and tons of years of experience, but what were some of those things that like stood you out from the crowd? Because there's a lot of people starting in this field entry level. Yeah, well, what happened with me is once I got an entry level job at uh, MCA, which became Universal, um, I was an account service rep. And what, what that meant was I would, you know, I would do inventories at record stores. I would hang up posters. I might take an artist to a radio station. You know, some of it was grunt work, but I did it cheerfully and I just loved it. I love mm-hmm. doing it. And I to do those inventories at some of these record stores, you know, you'd have to check, you know, like a hundred different titles every week. And mm-hmm. so I created a little spreadsheet back uh, in the day. And then I got a program where you could put barcodes on that spreadsheet. And it made it pretty easy when I would go into Tower Records, I could just grab their gun and shoot and find out what inventory did they have on cassette, vinyl, mm. CD, okay. uh, compare it to last week and say, oh, you know, you guys sold X amount of this. You need to reorder more. And that helped me get the job as a sales rep. And then all of those spreadsheets and things kind of like using technology with my job, which was you know kind of new at the time that got me hired at the home office. Uh, of Universal as their director of catalog sales. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of moved along from there. But I think for people who are new in the business, there's a great line by Todd Snyder where he says, everybody wants the most they can possibly get for the least they can possibly do. And if you just show up for work every day and do a good job, you're ahead of the pack. But then if you can do a little bit extra and then, then you can kind of be noticed and that's what happened with me and i ended up getting some really great positions within universal and by the time i left you know i was the vice president of new media which is you know what they call digital strategy or commerce today and that was because i would go into those roles and try to you know instead of doing the job of a b and c mm-hmm. think ahead and go okay when i finish that what's d e and f what else can i do and the music business is all about relationships and follow through just like a lot of businesses so if you have a good reputation and work hard uh you can you can write your own ticket and the last thing i'll say on it it, i I was talking to my my intern my former intern she's now in new york we had a call this morning and what what i really appreciated about her was she she wanted to learn more and she wanted to take on more and Mm -hmm. Those are the types of people that, you know, on the music side that will get promoted. Yeah. And you were always at the forefront when working at Universal Music and you developed a label as well under their umbrella. It was the first digital only label and it was responsible for a lot of aspects of uh, digital marketing and operations. So tell us about that and what was it like to be featured on NPR and Billboard magazine? Yeah, it was it was a pretty exciting time. I had this idea um that there were some artists that were between label deals there were some artists that didn't know if they wanted to go back to a major but certainly didn't want to mm-hmm. sign a long-term contract so i went to bruce resnikoff who was still is um the president of universal music enterprises he was my boss and i said i have this idea for a digital only label we don't create 
physical products. At, at that time, downloads were the digital, you know, wasn't streaming. So mm-hmm. he let me do it. And we signed artists and we put their music out just digitally. And it was really an exciting time. You know, we were in the we were featured in the New York Times and like you said, Billboard. And mm-hmm. um, I got to do some things with NPR because at the time it was the first and it was a little groundbreaking and people thought, well, that's a little silly. You know, we're, there's never going to be like just a digital only thing. And now there's lots of digital <laughs> only labels, right? And there's digital only deals. Mm-hmm. I think the most exciting part for me was I grew up as an, a fan of a lot of different music, but I loved Alice Cooper. And a lot of people misunderstand Alice Cooper. And in particular, he had one album that he wrote with Bernie Taupin, who is Elton John's lyricist, and it's called From the Inside. So it's the guys from Toto playing the music, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick, Bernie Taupin's lyrics, Alice oh, Cooper, wow. Dick Wagner. It is a phenomenal record, right? So mm-hmm. when I was in high school, I absolutely loved that record. So fast forward to launching this digital label with Universal, I got to be on Alice Cooper's nationally syndicated radio show where he was interviewing mm. me about this. Oh, it, wow. it was just surreal. So, <laughs> but it also, you know, when I told you doing different jobs, you learn different things. I learned so much from launching that label about what it takes to, you know, artist contracts. You know, what are they all about? What are the terms of those contracts and what do they include? Mm-hmm. Publicity, you know, what writing a good press release and a bio and getting good photographs and, and getting set up for long lead press and making sure that the message got out. All aspects of that label I was responsible for. So it was like being paid to go to school. <laughs> Really fascinating how you worked with so many artists, including Nirvana, The Police, Kiss. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. What types of marketing campaigns did you execute for these artists? And do you think it would have been easier to create these campaigns in a more digital era, contemporary era today with the use of all this technology and now NFTs occurring? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a totally different world. Back when we were putting together packages for those artists initially, it was physical and mm. then later downloads and it it was a simpler time you would get music on the radio the band would tour you would make sure that you know publicity was getting them interviews and you know the message was getting out it was it was just a simpler time mm-hmm. and today it's actually more difficult to rise above the clutter in some ways and it's also easier to reach that core ba- fan base in mm-hmm. some ways right? Because you can go to, let's take KISS, for example. Um, Keith LaRue runs their website and their mail list. If you're working with them putting out a new release, you can work with Keith and make sure that it's featured on the website and on the socials and that Mm -hmm. his email list is hit. And you know where to reach those fans. The difficult part isn't now the core fans, it's dormant fans or casual fans. Think of it as a target. And that center of that target are the hardcore fans. And then each rung out is, you know, a more um, casual fan. So I think those initial marketing plans, we thought they were challenging. Um, But looking back, you know, we had a radio promotion person. We had a publicist, you know, we had a tour agent. 
and we all got everything flying in formation. Today, it's so much more complicated. I had a call with an artist earlier this morning, and they were they need help with uh, socials. But think about it. Back in the day, you didn't. All you had to do was write, record, <laughs> tour, and do some interviews. It was a pretty easy. We thought it was hard, but today you need to do all of those things. Plus, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. You know, are they on Twitch? You know, are they on TikTok? You know, there's so many different ways for different artists now to reach an audience.、Mm-hmm. And I think that, like I said, it's easier in some ways. It's harder than others. But every single artist, every single release is different.、Mm-hmm. It's not a cookie cutter approach. We always say a playlist is not a marketing plan. So we create a marketing plan for every artist, but now it's it's every release. We have a plan, like a little mini campaign, around every focus track and every EP and every album, as well as、uh, the artist. So yeah, yeah. There's a lot more depth to it、um, versus 30 years ago, where technology wasn't present. Um, you don't have like platforms, even like including Cameo and Patreon, where people can subscribe on a monthly basis to that artist and create fan engagement. Yeah, and I love those platforms: Cameo, Thrills.co.uk, OnlyFans. You、mm-hmm. know,、um, but you 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 have to have demand. You have to have a base. So for、mm-hmm. new developing artists, that can be tough. There used to be a platform called Pledge Music that was really great for my artists, and they、mm-hmm. generated a lot of revenue through there. But they they went under, and a lot of artists lost a lot of money. There's a new platform coming out called Sonically, which is hopefully going to take the place of Pledge Music. But instead of the money flowing through the platform, it flows directly to the artist.、Mm-hmm. So, there, to your point, there these fan engagement. Um, opportunities and platforms—we、uh, never had those back in the day. I mean, I can imagine, like when I was in high school, I loved the band Queen, and I got to、oh. photograph them a couple of times. And I would have sold my car to be able to, like, go to a paid meet and greet. You know what I mean? Or、yeah. to have them, you know, do a video happy birthday kind of thing. And now that stuff's common. It's it's commonplace. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's really interesting how it shifted. And you also, in your career, are very entrepreneurial and have developed a label. So tell us, like, why you decided to kind of lean into, like, just creating your own business from the ground up. And what were some of the skills that you took from working at these major labels to transfer over to your business? Good question. I think that about seven years ago,、uh, I left my last、um, major label job, and that was with、uh, WIA ADA, Warner Brothers, and. Um, my business partner Jeff Mosco, he he used to be the head of marketing for Universal Music Enterprises when I was doing the digital, and so you know we were good friends and we'd been in touch, and he had started his own business after leaving Universal, and、mm. and I stayed in that ecosystem. Long story short, we we were talking one day about the relationships that we have with artists and managers, and we thought you know we've we've got some. Some game, you know. We've we've got、uh, some skills and a knowledge base for working all these years in the music industry. Maybe we should start our own thing. And so we started Label Logic, and it's label and artist services. So think of us as the label infrastructure. So for an artist or manager, we will actually be their label in a lot of circumstances.、Mm-hmm. But if you look at the album, it doesn't say 
you know, label logic. On some of them it does, but typically it says the, like, let's take Vintage Trouble. If you look at their, um, their album, it'll say McGee Entertainment for Doc McGee. Well, we are his label infrastructure. So we have what's called an ASI, an Artist Services Imprint and it's distributed through InGrooves, which is owned by Universal, mm -hmm. uh, an amazing uh, distribution company, a major indie is what they call it. Mm -hmm. And so the other thing that's great about that is if we're working with an artist and they wanna release music, we've got a label for them to put music through. Mm -hmm. If they wanna go through another label, they can do that. It's, it's totally fine. We can work with them on a lot of different levels. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur, I was kind of, you know, uh, pushed into it, kicking and screaming. And now I love it. You know, I look forward to working every day. I do plenty of work on weekends. I can't wait to get to my desk in the morning because it's different every day. We work with non-toxic people and great artists and great managers. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it there was label logic. And then for just a handful of clients every year, I do my own personal consulting. It's just Jay Gilbert Consulting. You can check out the website. And I'm, I'm just really selective about who I take on. Mm -hmm. It has to be someone that I, I, I love. And so I've been, I've been doing that um, alongside of Label Logic. And then, as you mentioned in, in the intro, I've always done photography, um, mostly on the weekends, but pretty much since I was old enough to carry a camera. And I have a partnership with a photo studio and we've done album covers for you know the temptations and rick springfield mm. and john Waite and oh, ace wow. fraley and and so we've we love photography but it's more of a it's professional but it's more of a weekend evening you know kind of passion mm -hmm. play and one of your first endeavors in this business was actually uh sneaking behind the scenes and taking pictures of these high profiled a-list musicians right yeah i back then you weren't allowed to bring cameras into concerts they didn't have iphones that you could just have in your pocket <laughs> and everybody's videotaping and taking pictures back when i was going to a ton of concerts out of high school um i would sneak my camera in and uh i would get up close at some of these shows like queen and cheap trick and kiss and you know uh, some some of these great artists and I would take live photos of them. I had my own dark room and it was just a lot of fun uh, to do that. But of course today you can just walk in, you know, not maybe with a big camera rig, but you could certainly walk in with an iPhone or, or equivalent. And you can take, if you get up close, you can take some pretty great shots with an iPhone. Yeah. Um, I took a photo of uh, Brett James um in malibu where he was sitting on a rock with his guitar and we were doing a video shoot but i got out my iphone 11 and took a picture of him that ended up being the cover of the single <laughs> right uh -huh. and then like with ace fraley i had his uh smoking guitar uh, in my home office prior to the photo shoot mm -hmm. and i got it out because i had to arm it and i took a photo of it with my iphone if you buy the album and pull out the inner sleeve that photo is the inner sleeve and it was taken oh, with wow. an iphone <laughs> right so somebody asked me one time you know like what's the best camera to get and I said the, I said the best camera is the one that you have with you right yeah it's it's all about lighting it's all about just having that with you and today if you have good lighting you can take some amazing photos and shoot amazing videos using an iPhone yeah it's pretty amazing how cameras have just like 
evolutionized and you could just pull it out of your pocket and snap a picture and then it's done. It's so yeah. cost effective, time effective, and it's just quick and easy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're also hosting a couple of podcasts. So let's elaborate on your morning coffee podcast and your music business podcast. Sure. So your morning coffee started um, about seven years ago, bef- just before we, we founded Label Logic, mm-hmm. or right around that time. Um, my friend Sean Murkowski, who worked at ADA at the time, he sent me an email that had like 10 albums that he had discovered and it was, it was wonderful and i noticed he copied a lot of people on it so i asked him why why'd you send this out and he said he just he was between jobs at the time and he didn't want people to forget him and i thought okay i like that idea so i, I started you're not supposed to do this of course but i just started sending your morning coffee because i love technology and music uh, just a curated look of weekly news. And I would send that out to like a couple hundred people in my contacts. And just so they didn't forget me, right? People in the industry. Well, now it's 15,000 people, which, and it's quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. So by doing that newsletter, it really helped get me back to the table and having conversations with the people I wanted to have conversations with, mm-hmm. which was great. And then we decided... I don't know, like a year, year and a half ago, um, Mike Etchart, a dear friend of mine, we decided we were going to do the Your Morning Coffee podcast. We would take three or four stories out of Your Morning Coffee, the newsletter, and then dig into it and explain, like, what does this mean? What is the Music Modernization Act? What is the MLC? You know, why should people care about the Copyright Royalty Board? Or just news about what's going on with NFTs, Web 3.0, or tours that are happening, or album releases. And it has just been a joy to do that. (laughs) Now, we're on episode 78. We're going to record 78 Mm -hmm. tomorrow, um, which is awesome, and I can't believe it. But the Music Biz Weekly podcast with Mike Brandvold, we're past episode 500, which in podcast land, (laughs) that's that's huge, right? So he's been doing it for... 10 years i've been doing it for seven with him so i'm like the new guy um and we do that every week sometimes we do two a week and that one is more about having guests on and talking about new platforms um which is you know super fun when we hear about a new platform we get somebody on to talk us through it. What you know? What are your goals? What does this thing do? And mm-hmm. we learn, you know, from that stuff. But it's really more for the DIY, do-it-yourself artist or manager to learn about, you know, what what these platforms do. And sometimes we'll have artists on. Sometimes we'll have lawyers on to explain mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, we even had a doctor on once to explain COVID, you know, and that <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas the Your Morning Coffee podcast, um, we don't typically have guests. We've had uh, one guest, and that was really a special episode because Nancy Wilson from Heart uh, released her first solo album ever. Mm-hmm. And Mike and I loved Heart growing up. We, mm-hmm. we know what an amazing musician and singer-songwriter she is. And we asked her to come on, and we did an hour-long interview. But that's, 
that's a one-off. Um, we don't do that typically. <laughs> it's really fascinating how you have over 70 episodes with one podcast and over 500 with another. These are kind of like educational courses. And you're also with that, you're a lecturer at top entertainment universities. So what is it like to curate a podcast and give wisdom to others that want to be rising professionals like yourself and also educate others at these universities? Yeah, I think some of it is just, you know, the knowledge base from just being in the business, you know, for so long. But my grandfather always said that an idiot is someone who doesn't know what you just found out. And that's that's kind of I see, I see that in the music business sometimes, you know, we're like, let's take NFTs, for example. You know, don't feel stupid if you don't know what an NFT is, because we just found out recently. Right. Uh, a lot of us. So. I like working with college music business programs. I work with four colleges uh, primarily, although I guess lecture at other colleges. And I learn as much as they learn from me because mm -hmm. they can record a song in their dorm room and have it up on every DSP globally. Mm -hmm. And it's a different world for them. Or they can have a viral moment on TikTok um, or they can have a weekly show on Twitch. There's so many different things that they can do. And so they see the world a little differently. And I love, you know, kind of helping them understand publishing. Publishing is strange for a lot of people. Um, there are certain like just weird things like um, how you get paid. You know, what are the economics of streaming? Um, mm -hmm. So I'm really big on education. I'm a member of the education committee with the Music Business Association. Love working with college kids. Um, I have interns, typically from USC and UCLA uh, that mm -hmm. I work with. And one of them did the intro to the Your Morning Coffee podcast last week, episode 77. Mm -hmm. And uh, I learn a lot from these college kids because it's a different world for them. You know, um, they yeah. can they can create music in their dorm room on their iPad and get mm -hmm. it up, you know, globally on 150 DSPs. It's, you know, they can get popular uh, from platforms, you know, like TikTok and yeah. Twitch and things like that, where so there's a lot of opportunity for them, but it's a different world. So I learn a lot from the students as well as trying to pass along information that you know i've picked up over the years mm -hmm. and i can kind of explain to them the complexities uh, and the economics of the business whether it's streaming or you know record company contracts publishing you know uh, tell them a little bit about sync licensing there's so many areas of this business mm -hmm. um so education and sharing um kind of that knowledge base is very important to me what advice could you give to the next entrepreneur, industry executive that wants to work in this field that is kind of exploring the different areas and trying to pinpoint their niche? Yeah, the, the biggest thing I would say is that you've got something now that I didn't have uh, growing up. And, and I use this technique all the time. Um, my old boss used to tell me, nobody wants to give you a job, but everybody wants to give you advice. Okay, there's some, tr <laughs> there's some truth to that. So how do you use that? regardless of what you want to do let's say you want to be an engineer a producer um, you mm -hmm. want to be a manager a record label executive a r whatever you want to do find people who are doing that for companies that you would love to work with right mm -hmm. that's easy to do you can go to linkedin you can do a google search 
you can find those people that are doing what you want to do mm -hmm. and then reach out to those people and say, hey, you know, my name's Jay. I'm a college student. I'd love to get your advice on something. Could we have a, a quick 10 minute Zoom or a 10 minute call or can I meet you for coffee or can I walk you to a meeting? Mm -hmm. I promise you that a majority of the time these people will reach back out to you and say, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll do that. And I'll even take it a step further. Let's say if you want to be a recording artist, I have clients that are recording artists that started doing covers of some of their favorite artists. Mm. And then mm. some of those favorite artists reached back out to them and said, Hey, I love the cover version you did of my song. Would you like to collaborate? Maybe we can co-write together. Maybe we can do a show together. Maybe we can do a live stream mm. together, that sort of thing. Collaboration is king right they've known that in the hip-hop world from day one <laughs> we're slowly learning it in you know pop edm country mm -hmm. but collaboration and then like i said before find those people that are doing what you want to do and get their advice maybe you can even intern for one of them and mm -hmm. learn because it's all about just getting your foot in the door right mm -hmm. it's all about is there anything you can offer them you know, um, maybe it's, uh, you know, one of your favorite artists and you're talking to their management. Maybe you can offer to, you know, help grow a street team as yeah. an intern. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can help, you know, share assets. For example, there are these super fans now that get involved with artists and, mm -hmm. and they can do things like share banner sets. Uh, you know, coming soon, out now, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, share those with fans so mm -hmm. you're amplifying the message. If you want to see how uh, a real fan group can move the needle on an artist, check out BTS and their, the BTS army and the way mm -hmm. that they help each other financially and mm -hmm. and informationally. And then when music comes out, they make sure that it's purchased, downloaded, streamed, and the videos are watched. And you know that's a real powerful thing but mm -hmm. that would be the, the advice i would give somebody who's looking to get into the business is know what area you at least want to start in mm -hmm. find people who are doing that and get advice from them and hopefully try to intern or collaborate or help them in some way that at some point you know they'll want to bring you on board yeah it's a very helpful community that i've seen people are willing to give some wisdom from um, older people, or it can even be laterally too. people that are just even two, three years in their career, they're always willing to share their wisdom with others and help with yeah. community grow. Um, yeah, absolutely. And anything exciting, personally, professionally, upcoming with your couple podcasts, your label, yeah photography it's it's, it's <laughs> so every day is a every day above ground is a good day my friend you know it's there are just so many great releases coming out so much great mm -hmm. music if you love great music you know check out uh the new album by the accidentals called vessel um it's absolutely uh, amazing um there's a developing artist that we absolutely love named mm -hmm. elisa amador just a, a beautiful voice and, and beautiful songs you know um on the photography side we're constantly um doing shoots with artists and trying to do new and mm. interesting things um we did the album recently for a band called um immediate family and you might not know that name but the members of immediate family 
are on hundreds of the best-selling albums of all time. They're kind of session men, side men. But there's a documentary coming out about them. Okay. And they they got together and formed their own band called Immediate Family. But for example, um, they played with Jackson Brown and you know the James Taylor, and they've written for the Eagles. And if you watch the special on CNN with Carol King and James Taylor that was on around the holidays, the band that was backing them up is Immediate Family. Oh, wow. So the bass player Leland Sklar, the guitar player mm-hmm. Danny Korchmar, Russ Kunkel on drums. You you get the idea. I mean, these are mm-hmm. legendary people. So we were thrilled to be asked to shoot their album and um that that's kind of the fun side of you know what we're doing but yeah there's never never a dull moment um and the last thing i'll say is <laughs> we we just recorded a pilot uh podcast so this would be my third podcast um mm-hmm. with billboard magazine uh, glenn peoples at billboard and it's called mm-hmm. behind the set list Mm-hmm. And we just recorded the pilot. We're going to record two more uh, shows before it goes live. And basically, it's a look at an artist, and we sit down with their set list. And you know, why do you do this cover tune? Why do you open with this? You know, tell me about your encores. And it's fascinating the stories behind these set lists. There's a method to the madness. There's a reason why people put together a set list the the way they do. And so that's one of the uh, the new projects I have. Yeah, that's really cool. I've never seen a podcast structure like that because a lot of set lists, people just think it's uh, could be just random or, but it's definitely not. There's a specific method to how an artist wants this before them. The A-list act goes in the middle or at the end. It's all about timing with everything, with an artist's yeah. career, with everybody's career, with everything. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's true like that with albums too. There is a, a real skill of... Um, putting together an album in what they call the tune stack, which is just the running order. Mm-hmm. It's very important to to make the flow uh, work and to make the songs really um, land. And you know, my business partner Jeff Mosco does A and R for the now that I, now that's what I call music brand. So you know those CDs that come out and it's now that's what I call music and it's like all the hits of the day. Well, people think that maybe they just put some hit songs on there mm-hmm. no it has to be <laughs> it has to be remastered so they're all kind of at the same level and then there's a skill to the running order of that so it flows mm-hmm. properly so a set list is like that you want to start off strong you want to kind of calm down near the middle and then you want to ramp back up and then hit them hard at the end with you know your encores or some of your biggest stuff and you leave them wanting more, you know, and there's a, a real skill set to that. Yeah, really. It's really awesome, like how like albums are just like created this way, like in timing with it and the art, what artist is next on the album. And it's really yeah. rewarding for the fans as well. Yeah. Thank you for this, Jay. This was really great to hear your eclectic and diverse background and different hats within the industry. And good luck with the upcoming podcast on Billboard and your label and your photography consulting firm. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Media Industry Guru podcast. Check out the Instagram at Media Industry Guru for all the details on the latest and coolest, I mean coolest upcoming episodes that you will 
here. Email at mediaindustryguru.podcast at gmail.com for any other interviews that you would like to hear or if you would like to be on the air and give a little promo or talk about yourself or just even chat with me because you know I'm I'm doing this. I'm invested in this. And tune in weekly 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays on the Anchor app, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and many more streaming platforms. Thanks again for all of the support and peace out and let's rock and roll.